0: Welcome to the sex and psychology podcast. I am your host, Dr. Justin Miller. I am a social psychologist and research fellow at the Kinsey Institute and author of the book, Tell Me What You Want, The Science of Sexual Desire and How It Can Help You Improve Your Sex Life. About a decade ago, I received an email from a reader of my blog who asked me why it seems like so many heterosexual men like to watch their wives or girlfriends have sex with other men. At the time, I didn't know the answer to this question because I had never really encountered any research on this. So I did a deep dive and found everything I could about this whole world that was called cuckolding. And just to clarify the linguistics here, that's cuck as in C-U-C-K, not cock, because a lot of people have confused this as cuckolding, which could be a part of cuckolding, but it's called cuckolding. So in the years since, this phenomenon has really exploded. We've seen this in terms of more academic research, discussion in the popular media, a rise in Google searches on this subject, and more. And it has culminated in a new annual tradition called Cuck Week. It aims to celebrate and educate people about the incredibly diverse world of cuckolding. So to mark the occasion, today's episode is going to be all about the psychology of cuckolding. What is it? Why are so many people into it? And what do you need to know if it's something you're curious about exploring? I am joined by two amazing guests. First, Dr. David Lay is a clinical psychologist and sex therapist based in New Mexico. He is the author of several influential books and appears in both the media and courtrooms as an expert on sex and psychology. He wrote a whole book about cuckolding called Insatiable Wives, Women Who Stray and the Men Who Love Them, which was just released on audiobook. David is also a repeat guest on the show, and his appearances are always incredibly popular. My other guest is Rose Carraway, who narrated the audiobook for Insatiable Lives. Rose is a writer, editor, and publisher. She runs Kiss Me Quick's erotica podcast, which celebrates and cultivates eroticism. This conversation is going to be cucking amazing, pardon the pun, so let's dive right in. Hi, David, and welcome back to the Sex and Psychology podcast.
1: Thanks, Justin. It's always fun to join you.
0: Always fun to have you. And hi, Rose. It's great to have you here. And nice to meet you.
2: Hi. It's it's so great to finally get to see your face on my computer screen. And, and we're talking together. Oh, my gosh. I've listened to your podcast for quite a while now. So this is a tremendous honor for me. <laughs> Thank you for having me here.
0: Well, thank you both so much for joining me. It's a pleasure to do a three-way show with you. It seems appropriate uh, for this subject matter. So let me start by asking both of you how you first learned about cuckolding. Now, I know you wrote a whole book on this, David. So can you give us sort of the brief story behind how you learned about cuckolding and became one of the world's leading experts, if not the leading expert on this subject.
1: Yeah, so, somewhat dubious honors, right? I, I've told this story a lot. Back in like 2007, 2008, I was um, actually clinically depressed. I was, I was dealing with bureaucracies and human resources issues and budget issues because I have run a pretty large paper health agency. And so I started looking for a project to kind of dive into and i've always worked around alternative sexuality issues in my clinical practice and i encountered through a survey kind of process these these two couples who lived the hot wife cuckold lifestyle and I'd never heard of it before. I'd never, I'd never seen that. I was aware of non-monogamy and polyamory and such, but female led non-monogamy was, was kind of surprising to me. And I I will confess that my initial reaction was that's cucking crazy. And I did, we're going to make that joke a bunch of times today, but (laughs) these couples were really healthy. They had remarkable communication skills, successful careers, families. And, 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 and I realized that even as an experienced clinician, I had allowed bias around female sexuality, monogamy, promiscuity, and such to intrude into my clinical thinking. And so, you know, like you, when you got that question, I dove into the literature, and I found that really there wasn't much published on it. the The only thing that I could find, and that you and I could really find back when when we wrote on this a few years ago, was this study of penthouse letters published by an Israeli psychologist back in the '90s, and I said, remember, I'm depressed, and so I'm looking for a project. And so I said, well, yeah, I'll write a book. And so I started interviewing people about it and traveling and reading all of this fascinating stuff. And it turns out that talking to people about hot, kinky sex and reading about all of this hot, kinky sex is really an amazing treatment for depression. Because at the end of it, not only did I have a book to publish, but I wasn't depressed anymore.
0: Hot kinky sex as therapy. I love it. Absolutely.
1: (laughs) The best kind of therapy.
0: Yes. Well, thank you for sharing that. And so, Rose, the same question to you. When did you first learn about cuckolding? And also, how did you get the job of narrating David's audiobook on this subject?
2: (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Well... Back in 2011, my husband and I started our podcast, the Kiss Me Quick's Erotica podcast. And it was sort of our little expression of our shared sexuality. You know, we both kind of grew up with challenging lives and through, I don't know, maybe the universe, we we ended up sort of saving each other from from what was and and became the best of friends and, and you know. Over the years, we, we really grew up together. He's, he's the only guy I've ever had sex with. So we've done a lot of growing up together. And, and through this show, we've explored our sexuality. And one of the first requests that we got from a listener of our show very early on, I want to say within maybe 2 weeks of our show going live in itunes was the request for a cuckold story and my husband had no idea what that was i didn't know what it was and so i messaged the the emailer back saying i, I don't know what that is can you describe it to me and so he very kindly and respectfully said well It's, it's kind of a big thing and I can't just briefly describe it to you. Can I share some videos with you? And, you know, as a woman, you kind of go, you're, you, you step back a little bit, a little leery of, well, what videos am I going to get? And are they going to be personal videos or whatever? But this guy was really, really kind and respectful and, and sent me a few videos and my husband and I watched them together and it was unbelievable what we saw, like that we're allowed to do that. People are allowed to have that fantasy. People are allowed to seek that out in, in real life. And apparently cuckolding is is bigger than than we are. And it's it's everywhere. And so, of course, I wrote some stories about it for the show. And I think I've gotten like the biggest response from listeners through those cuckold stories.
0: Yeah, I'm not surprised because David's previous appearance on my podcast, which was also about cuckolding, ended up being one of the most popular episodes of all time on the show. You know, people seem to have this great interest and appetite in learning about it. And, you know, the fact that you got that request so quickly, I think, just speaks to the enormous popularity of this interest that exists, but really a lot of people don't know about it or they don't know the terminology around it, right? And I think that leads a lot of people who are interested in it to feel weird or strange or unusual because they don't have a common vernacular and they don't recognize just how widely shared this fantasy
1: is. And there's just so much shame around it. You know, that idea of, you know, violating monogamy or taking a submissive role or infidelity or being less of a man or less of a partner because your partner is engaging in these in sexual behaviors with other people. Historically, there's been a lot that prevented people from talking about it. And that's kind of changing now. That's one of the really cool things. I think these fantasies have always been around, but but now people are starting to go, you know, wait a minute, this isn't going to be a secret fantasy for me.
0: Yeah, it absolutely is not a new sexual fantasy. And I think we see this all the time that people think that our fantasies are growing and expanding and becoming more diverse. And in some ways they are. But so many of the things that are out there that people are fantasizing about have been around forever. We just haven't had the opportunity to share them in part because we feel a lot of that shame about what it is that turns us on. Now, Rose, the second part of my question, I'm very curious about this, is how did you get the job to read David's audiobook, Insatiable Wives?
2: <laughs> uh, well, he asked. No, we, you know, my husband and I, We've both read his book, Insatiable Wives, the, the Women Who Stray and The Men Who Love Them. And we have gained a lot of information from it. And I've, I've read it a couple times after that. But I've sort of admired Dr. Lay from afar and, and through the Twitterverse. The work that he has done has really shined a light for me to realize like people like you, you know, Justin Lee Miller, you guys are tremendous allies for sexuality, for, for all genders and for all sexualities. We need people like you guys out there to help us speak up and, and find the language. But I read this book and it, it really just kind of tuned me in. And so I kind of followed him on Twitter and, and it was a special treat whenever I found out that he did jujitsu because I had as well. And I know what goes into doing jujitsu, there is tremendous discipline. And so I thought, well, this guy, he's doing like this alpha male sport. How can he how is it possible that he's putting a voice to people who live in the lifestyle, who are, you know, living the hot wife lifestyle lifestyle and who are cucks, those who have to kind of keep it quiet and and live behind an avatar you know they can't come out but he's he's doing that for them and it just it takes so much strength and and intellect to be able to do that and to see that we're all okay and you know no matter what our fantasies are and there's a tweet that Dr. Lay responded with for my husband that I would love to read later because it really sums up and we want him to write that book next. Mm-hmm. So we've already got a plan for you. Anyway, I've just sort of started interacting with Dr. Lay on Twitter. And I think we we just felt like kind of kindred spirits within sexuality. And, you know, one day we were like, why isn't this book in audio? This needs to be out there. You know, we live busy lives. We're on our phones constantly. We're on the go. And some people might be embarrassed to read a book about sexuality, let alone cuckolding and holding this physical thing is, is difficult. But when you have your earbuds in and you've got it on your phone or you're playing it in your car with your, you know, your sexy wife or your amazing husband, it's it changes things for you it it gives you even more permission to be a part of this thing and let you know yeah you're okay let's let's learn a little bit from it
1: roses roses too modest though i mean i um uh, because i mean people have been asking for the book in audiobook for years and i mean literally i went to my publisher at least two or three times and i said you know i'm getting asked for this in audiobook do you guys can we do that And they kept saying, no, we don't think there's a market. No, we we, we don't really see the point. And I'm like, well, okay. And then... Rose and, and her husband Dave reached out to me and and said, you know, we really want to encourage you to, to do this and, and we're 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 interested in helping you just understand the process. And, you know, I I love people that are willing to sit down and educate me. And and they did, and they taught me the ins and outs of audio rights and navigating the ACX process of, of creating audiobooks for Audible and stuff like that. And um, I mean, they just took me by the hand and walked me through it. And and it was It it was amazing. So, I mean, the the audio book happened because of Rose and Dave. I would say 98%. Well,
0: I am glad that it's here, and it's cuckolding on the go, you know, where people can listen anytime, anywhere, and not have to worry that other people might be shaming or judging them for reading the physical copy of the book. And Rose was right about you, David. I know that you like your discipline, and you're a man of many talents. So...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Tell me more about how I like discipline. Oh boy, I, 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 I bet a whole bunch of people heard that and their ears burnt up.
0: What do you know? Well, oh my. I, I think that's going to have to be a whole separate episode. <laughs> so let's get back to cuckolding. Now, most articles and stories I've read about cuckolding tell it from the male perspective. And they also tell it from a primarily heterosexual Perspective, right? But we know that cuckolding is this thing that exists across persons of different genders and sexualities. You know, anyone can potentially be interested in it. But we hear a lot about how men in particular are into it. We're going to dive into why that is in just a few minutes. But before we do that, Rose, let me ask you for a woman's perspective on cuckolding because this is something we just don't often hear. So, what is cuckolding like for women and why do you think so many women are into it?
2: It's, it's a wonderful power trip. (laughs) I think I could start there. You know, we've, we've been raised traditionally to not be sexual, to not, certainly not express it and, and wear revealing clothing, just to be the caretakers of children and of, of husbands. And, I think that cuckolding affords women a role to be very powerful and commanding. I'm not sure that there is another genre within sex play that elevates feminine sexuality the way that cuckolding does. It is, it's, it's so big. And I know that there are so many labels to it. And I'm still learning the vocabulary. You know, when you hear the word cuck, it's a very, loaded word. You know, it comes with pre-loaded assumptions about what that means. And then when you say a hot wife, well, what is that? You know, you let your wife slut around. How can you let your wife? Well, first of all, you don't get to, it's not about letting your wife do anything. There's It's women taking control of their sexuality and it's men giving it over and feeling powerful for having done so. And it gives me goosebumps when I think about it, because when we read this book, Insatiable Wives, light bulbs clicked for my husband and I huge light bulbs my husband experiences what we learned was called compersion and that's where he's all about like my pleasure what what like what do you like what do you want how can I help facilitate that and that's like the root of what cuckolding can be for a lot of people is just letting that woman just woman all over your face I mean just be feminine in every way possible and you know, there is a biological design that Dr. Lay talks about beautifully in this book, that women have the capacity to not only orgasm, but to orgasm many, many, many times. And once we get going, you know, we are that Ferrari. And it's, I can appreciate how men can be feel threatened by that, or or even jealous. But if you read this book and you take a step back from what the traditional role of being a man is, or even just you're okay as long as you guys communicate and um you know dr lay can can go deeper into that he's he's the expert there with the communication, but this book is a really it's it'll help build a terrific foundation for the husband to understand female sexuality and then the wife to go. Yeah. Okay. So I don't have to take care of babies my whole life and just only have sex with my husband because he wants it, but I can have my own drive and my own wants. And, and, um, you know, there are so many elements to it. I, I could keep going, but I, I need to let Dr. Lay talk, (laughs) but that's a little bit of, of the female perspective.
1: I mean, they're, Over the years since I wrote the book, and and it's amazing that, you know, I first wrote it in 2009, one of the things that just brings incredible joy to my heart is that I have had so many people and so many women write me and say, until I read this book, I thought there was something wrong with me, that I was more sexual than my husband, that I was not interested in monogamy, that I was struggling with monogamy and sexual boredom, and I thought I was broken. And this helped me accept those aspects of myself and then share them with my husband and other men. And there was this one story I tell in the book of of a woman who I interviewed and, and she and her husband had been older. She'd only ever had sex with her husband. They'd grown up in a small town and very, very traditional. And as they started exploring hot wifing, her teenage daughter came to her and said, mom, something is different because you are being so, you know, kind of assertive and, and taking charge of things. And the daughter didn't know what the parents were doing, but she could see that the mom was walking around with power that she didn't have before. And I just thought that was so cool.
0: Yeah. And that's, something i've talked about previously on the podcast how feelings of sexual empowerment and sexual self-confidence can extend beyond the bedroom and affect the way that you carry yourself in daily life now i know we've been talking primarily about cuckolding here from this perspective of heterosexual men watching their female partners have sex with other people. Again, just want to point out that cuckolding is very diverse and that it can take a lot of different forms. I should also mention that there are some women who are turned on by the idea of watching male partners have sex with other women or sometimes with other men, right? So this can take all different kinds of forms unfortunately there's very little research on this as david pointed out and most of it is primarily focused on that you know male female dynamic of men as watchers of their female partners having sex so we don't know as much about cuckolding in these diverse forms but we do know that it is a very diverse community so Rose, you told us a little bit about some of the female perspective on cuckolding. David, can you tell us a little bit more about the male perspective on it? And in particular, some of the other reasons why men might be drawn to cuckolding? Because, you know, as with any fantasy, people can be drawn to it for very
1: different reasons. As you, as you just said very well, I mean, it's a, it is a diverse and a complicated behavior, a complex sexual dynamic. And there's not one reason. And that was actually one of the fun things in in writing the book and 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 in watching the development of this over the years that there are so many different flavors coming out some of the things that I see you know, most significantly kind of driving this in men. One issue is uh, there's oftentimes some kind of covert bisexuality in that some men want to engage sexually with other men and they use their wife's body as a vehicle basically to do so. And so we see men who are really, really interested in, for instance, you know, going down on their wife after she's been with another man so that they they can experience that his sexuality with, and, 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 and I don't think a lot of these guys are super homophobic. It's not like they're saying that, that, you know, that, that they don't want to be gay, but there are these obstacles to that, that bisexual contact. I think that's one issue. Frankly, some men approach this in, in a not very healthy or a not very nice way, and they view their wife as kind of property that they are sharing with, with other men, and they get some social status out of that. Candilism is a term for, it's a fetish identified in the late 1800s for men who like to show off their naked wife to other men. And we see that a lot these days with guys that carry around naked pictures of their wives and girlfriends on their phone and show them off to to their friends so that they get, again, kind of social status and a little bit of envy. I think there's some of that. There's also men who like Rose's husband get a tremendous amount of just excitement and satisfaction from seeing their partner explore the infinite bounds of female sexuality that you know the 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 husband who you know wishes they had a bigger penis or wishes they were a better lover or wishes they could go for longer and give their wife more pleasure and if they can't well here's a way to do it bring in some other guys one of the things I talked about in the book is the, you know, the concept of, of sperm competition and some of the biological and evolutionary principles that I think may be going into some of the physiological or unconscious arousal. If I had the book to write over again, that's one of the things I might de-emphasize a little bit because some of that research really hasn't replicated. I still think that there's a lot of significant kind of value there, but I'm not sure it's as important as I thought when I wrote the book.
0: Yeah, and you are absolutely right that people's motives here can be incredibly diverse. And just to add even a few more twists to this, you know, for some people, it might be about a broader interest in BDSM. You know, sometimes there are themes of humiliation or pain or bondage that are involved in a cuckolding scenario sometimes it might just be about the transgressive nature of it you know it is certainly very taboo to open up your marriage and watch your partner have sex with other people you know this is not something that you were taught that you were supposed to do, you know, in the context of a marriage, right? So there can be all kinds of factors here. And, you know, one other one can be just that somebody is a really big voyeur and they really get off on watching other people have sex. And cuckolding is sort of like this live customizable porn where you get to... Choose your partners.
1: Yeah, your wife and girlfriend gets to be your personal porn star. And I've wondered that. I've wondered if as porn is is more universally acceptable and more people are learning about their sexuality from porn, are they learning kind of in a, in a more voyeuristic pattern? And could that be driving some of this? I, I suspect so. Now I I don't say that in, in kind of the chicken, chicken little sky is falling. Porn is changing everything kind of way. But I think that, you know, porn and sexual diversity and sexual sexually diverse fantasies like this are ways that people are learning about what pushes their buttons sexually. And that is amazing. That we have the opportunity to learn about the things that turn us on in this new broader world.
0: Yeah. And it is worth mentioning that cuckolding is this extraordinarily popular and common sexual fantasy so something i've seen in my own work on sexual fantasies is that a majority of men across sexual orientations say they fantasized about it before about a third of women say that they have fantasized about it before but some groups seem to be more likely to fantasize about this than others you know men on average have more cuckolding fantasies people who are non-heterosexual have more cuckolding fantasies you know so there is certainly some Variation there. And if you check out David's previous appearance on the show, you can learn all about how cuckolding fantasies are also related to our personal politics and how these fantasies are also more common among people who are on the political right than they are on the political left. That is a whole fascinating other discussion that is Absolutely. worth revisiting. So, Be sure to check it out. Yeah,
1: and I just think it's so fascinating. I mean, you know, Justin, you and I talked about it in our last podcast, but I mean, the political issues and implications of all this, I think, are just extraordinary. And it's just so interesting to me how people on the, you know, on the conservative right call each other, you know, cuck as a, as a form of shame. And then we keep having all of these cases of these highly conservative male politicians that get exposed that they're into cuckolding. Gee, how does that work?
0: (laughs) Yep. I know. And yeah, check out that previous episode for a more detailed discussion there. So let's talk about cuckolding myths and misconceptions for a moment. I think one of the biggest is when people refer to cuckolding as cheating. And I think it's really important to distinguish cuckolding from other forms of sexually open relationships and from infidelity, because these are all, you know, different things, you know, and if you're talking specifically about cuckolding versus infidelity, one is consensual and the other isn't. Another big misconception is that these relationships never work out, or that by opening up a relationship in this way, it's inevitably going to lead to conflict, if not breakup. So what can you tell us about that, David? You know, How do cuckolding relationships tend to work out?
1: Um, so there, there just happens to be one research study that ever kind of looked at this and it was conducted by a couple of folks named Justin Lay Miller, Dan Savage and David Lay that looked at, you know, cuckolding, um, relationships. Now that was in the gay male population. And what we found was that by and large for healthy couples, um, cuckolding, exploring cuckolding fantasy was generally healthy and, and positive for their relationships. Um, and I, that is certainly what I've seen, is that when folks are approaching cuckolding, like any form of consensual non-monogamy, if they are approaching it with good communication, with trust and respect of each other with 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 dignity and with, with with each of the partners you know identifying what they want and putting it out on the table and then being able to develop kind of compromise and accommodation that is healthy relationship skill right there coming out in cuckolding and i think the historically a lot of people myself included remember how i started in this would judge those kinds of activities as unhealthy because of what they were because it because it was sexually you know taboo kind of behaviors now we're realizing that you know it's not about what you do it's about how you do it and if you do this in a healthy way it can be healthy now one thing i will i will point out in the history of cuckolding and and that was one of the things i really loved diving into this as i wrote the book was that historically cuckolding did mean non-consensual infidelity. It did mean the wife, you know, cheating without the husband's permission and, you know, violating the husband's kind of masculinity and dominance and everything else by doing that. Um, a Wittol, and I'm uh, probably not saying it right, W-I-T-T-O-L was the was the name of a, a, a willing cuckold, a man who wanted to be cuckolded. And modern cuckolding fantasy and behavior is, is is mostly that. It is this willing cuckolding, um, but they have flipped it on its head, um, taking that non-consensual um, uh, infidelity and making it co- consensual and making the hotness of it kind of related to that taboo history of non-consensual. And one of the things that I see often is men fantasize about finding out that their wife is cheating and then it turns into consensual cuckolding um so there there's all these really interesting layers
0: yeah layers upon layers and as you mentioned so many different flavors of cuckolding now we have much more to discuss including tips for navigating cuckolding relationships and how you bring sex to life when narrating an audiobook but first a quick break for a word from our sponsors Studies show that as many as one in three men say they don't last as long in bed as they'd like to. Fortunately, there's a solution for this, and it's called Promescent. Promescent is a topical spray that boosts sexual stamina through temporary desensitization. Promescent is customizable for your body, and when used as directed, it won't transfer to your partner. Use it alone or in combination with other techniques for faster, more reliable results. Check it out, and you'll see why thousands of physicians and sexual health providers recommend it. Permescent offers a 60-day money-back guarantee, free shipping on orders over $10, and discreet shipping to guarantee privacy. Learn more and place an order at permescent.com. That's p-r-o-m-e-s-c-e-n-t.com. Looking to become a certified sex educator, counselor, or therapist? Check out the Modern Sex Therapy Institutes. MSTi offers certifications in sex therapy, LGBTQIA-affirmative therapy, alternative relationships, and more as well as a PhD program in clinical sexology. All programs can be completed 100% online and are flexible and customizable to meet the needs and schedules of even the busiest participants. You can take live courses the third weekend of each month and choose from over 300 archived workshops taught by renowned experts in the field. For more information, visit modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. That's modernsextherapyinstitutes.com. And we're back. So we are in the midst of Cuck Week. David, can you tell us what Cuck Week is all about? So what's the purpose or inspiration behind it? And what all do you have planned?
1: Well, so it's all Rose and Dave's fault. They suggested, you know, as we're releasing the audio version of of Insatiable Wives, what if we took this as an opportunity to invite the cuckold community to really kind of celebrate and be public about this? And I reached out to, to, to some of my fans. It's it's weird that I have fans, but I've got them. And, and a lot of them, you know, have made cuckolding a huge part of their life and really of their identity. And, 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 and it's something that they celebrate. And I said, you know, what if we did this, what if we did a cuck week where we invited you folks to bring attention to the positives that cuckolding has brought in your life, this, and we took this shameful, stigmatized taboo sexual lifestyle and invited you guys to talk publicly about the positives that it has brought to you and they loved it, and it has taken off. It is like an exploding, and you know its home base is on Twitter at Cuckweek and hashtag Cuckweek. But we're starting it off January 25th with a um, cocktails, cocktail Zoom party with me through the Sexual Health Alliance, and we're inviting cuckold couples to come in and share their stories, their tales, with sex therapist and sex therapist-in-training with my kind of professional intention of helping those therapists um, learn not to stigmatize and how to understand this, you know, kind of taboo lifestyle that they wouldn't otherwise hear about Um, and give them a chance to ask questions. Because a lot of therapists that I supervise are now having cuckold, you know, fantasies and behaviors come into their uh, therapy offices. And this is a chance for them to get some education about it. And then through the week, there are going to be a whole bunch of different events, mostly in the evenings, online. There is now an app called the Moan app, M-O-N, and people are using that to host discussions about all these different aspects of cuckolding. And it's all out there for everybody, and it's all listed on at Cuck Week. And it's it's just really cool. It's fun. It's fun seeing people take this thing that they used to be ashamed of and now get, getting the chance to go out and celebrate it.
0: Yeah. It sounds like a lot of fun. And I love the term cocktail. I'm trying to imagine what the recipe for that is. And I feel like <laughs> you mix two ingredients in one glass and then the third ingredients in a separate glass off to the side. I don't know the official cocktail recipe. We'll, we'll have to come up with it.
1: There are recipes for semen-infused drinks out there. I was kind of blown away. I ran across this accidentally. Um, it is consensual. So, you know, it mm-hmm. is a crime to put semen- in the food or drink of somebody else um, who is unaware, but there are plenty of people out there who would be happy to celebrate it consensually. And there are recipes for you to do so.
0: Yep and I actually own a copy of the recipe book. I received it as a gift in a white elephant exchange a while ago and you know at dinner parties when we've had a few drinks I often pull it out and people enjoy reading through it. I haven't made anything from it um but it is a fun read. Oh and now it's reminding me of this whole separate case I recently read about where somebody's kink was actually to open up the refrigerator mm-hmm. and come on all the food with other people eating it without them knowing that that happened. And I'm like, oh my God, like, so that's a whole other thing. You know, non-consensual semen ingestion is not right, but you know, hey, with these semen-based recipes, if you're going to serve them to someone, make sure they know what's in it. We need consent. So for people who might be interested in exploring the world of cuckolding for the first time in their own relationship, what do they need to know? Now, Rose, you're in the business of sexual communication. So, do you have any tips or advice for people who want to share sexual fantasies or desires with a partner, whether they're about cuckolding or something else?
2: I would love to, yes. And the first ingredients for that would be a nice conversation. You need to be able to talk about it. But it's really hard to even like broach the subject. We shared on the at Cuckweek Twitter handle, we shared a link from a fellow who had this secret desire to be a cuckold and it's a really good article. He he puts all of the emotion in that article and I think it's a very valuable one. So I, I would go check that article out too if you've got this secret desire to be a cuckold. But erotica is a perfect gateway to any Uh, desire that you have, any kink you might want to explore, any fetish, any desire that you have sexually. Erotica can help. It is not by any means a how-to manual. Consent obviously is something that needs to be present, but it can give you a language and it can be sort of like a, a private exchange. So if one partner is reading an erotica anthology or listening to, you know, the world's best erotica podcast, The Kiss Me Quick's, and something really strikes your fancy, mark it on your phone, text it to your significant other, your partner, and say, you know, I, I listened to this story, and it really kind of got me going. Can, can we listen to it together? Or can you listen to it? And then we have a conversation afterward. I think that that's the perfect opener for getting erotically connected to your partner. And that's what this is all about is connection, connecting in a purposeful way in, in a real whole way. You know, I can't remember if I read, if it was in Brett Carr's book, Who's Been Sleeping in Your Head. I'm still reading that one. That was recommended by Dr. Lay. And it's all about fantasies and dreams that people have too, and which really kind of is interesting to me. But I think it was this book that he said, not all marriages, the people in them are are going to be a hundred percent fulfilled sexually. One person is going to want a little bit more than probably the other person, but erotica can open the door ideas of how to play, like with cuckolding. I don't live in that lifestyle, but in my head, I am a hot wife all day, all night, all throughout my bones. That is me. And erotica helped me discover that. And Insatiable Wives helped me put the language to it and that's why it's so important to to find people that you trust you know i've been doing erotica for a long time and the stories that we feature on the show are ones that we hope our audience will gain something from and you know the reason why i lovingly narrated this insatiable wives audiobook is because it's the medicine with the fun and we all need that you know it's it's so important to have science help facilitate and direct us, you know, and, and psychology. And, you know, some of us need to know why, why, why. And some of us need to know that we're okay. We're normal. We're still normal, even though it's this taboo fantasy that we have. It It's, it's okay.
1: Yeah. One of the things I love about what Rose was just saying there is that these things can be just fantasies we we can we can incorporate these into our relationships and make our you know turbocharge our relationships with the sexual energy attached to these fantasies without ever necessarily making them you know kind of real life behaviors because we can explore these fantasies in our heads together in really hot, sexy ways, and that can be enough. For a lot of people, that can be enough. And however, for, for other people, it's one of the ways where they learn, oh, okay, you know, I, I really do want to make this real. So that's where I recommend couples start, is start, just by like Rose said, sharing fantasies, sharing erotica together sharing pictures and ideas, creating that communication. So we start to learn for ourselves, where is my boundary? Where's my trigger? Where's my reaction? Where's my button? And where's my partner's button and reaction so that I can respect that if it comes up. I can acknowledge it and we can learn, oh, you know, that, that button is a button too far. I'm not going to push that one. It's good for us to learn that in practice.
0: Yeah, I think that's all fantastic advice. And I really like the idea of sharing erotica or whether it's an erotic podcast or literature with a partner, because I think for many people, that can be a little less threatening than, say, sharing porn because it's, you know, maybe less explicit. It also encourages you to think and engage with the material in a different way because you get to let your imagination run wild so it can be a really useful way of just introducing the idea getting a conversation started and I think when it comes to something like cuckolding if you and your partner are both on the same page about it and you're curious about exploring it I think it's baby steps (laughs) to cuckolding you know it's not necessarily just go out and invite somebody else into the bedroom and boom like you just start you know maybe it starts with for example you and your partner go out some night and you watch your partner flirting at the bar with somebody else and you see how that feels and maybe you'll get really aroused and think that that's really hot and then maybe you'll decide to progress and take that further but On the other hand, maybe you'll feel really jealous and maybe it's something that you realize, hey, I don't really want to go there. So I think baby steps can be a really helpful way of figuring out, you know, which are the fantasies that are really desires and things that you want to act on and which things are better left as fantasies because a fantasy doesn't have to become a reality in order for you to be sexually satisfied. So let's talk a little bit more about insatiable wives. So David... I know you published this book more than a decade ago, and it's just come out in audiobook. And I know lots of people are thankful for that because it seems that people's preferred format for reading is changing and i've seen that with my own book tell me what you want the audiobook version for that that i narrated is actually the best-selling version of that book which i did not expect
1: oh that's cool i didn't i didn't know that either good for you that's awesome yeah
0: i mean i really didn't expect it i didn't think people were going to want to listen to a book read by me because you know I did that at a time when I wasn't as confident in my voice and now I love the way that my voice sounds, but then I'm like, "Eh, yeah, would people really want to listen to it? But now that I'm like a seasoned podcaster and narrator, I'm like, okay, I get it. So Rose, let me ask you, what was the experience of recording that audiobook like for you? And more generally, what is it like to try and bring sex to life in this way? You know, because you just have your voice to perform and you have to educate people and entertain them and keep them listening it's a really tall order so tell us a little bit about that experience
2: It was a surreal experience, but we have been wanting to branch out. My focus has been fiction, storytelling through my own writing. That's how, you know, we started the KMQ was just through my stories, how I had all of these fantasies and I had to get them out and I was just giving them to my husband. And then he was like, Hey, we should start a podcast. But I, so I think I've gotten a lot better. <laughs> I almost said I'm really good. I am really good at narrating erotica, but I, I love it so she much. She
1: is really, really good at narrating erotica. This is not this is not bragging.
2: I really I I genuinely love it because I want people to get out of it what I get out of it and what my husband gets out of it. And so I put it all into the story and the characters and what's going on, you know, whether it's a scene or an action adventure story. So to narrate nonfiction, was a task I really wanted to, to conquer, but I I was a little nervous, you know, Dr. Lay is a famous guy. And this book is like the Bible for cuckoldry. I mean, it's, it's jam-packed with so much good stuff and I just wanted to represent it really, really well. And so I you know, I I got to channel my my inner Sir David Attenborough, my my Lawrence Olivier and and all of these, you know, my Kate Mulgrew. I I got to experience all these you know, heroes I have in the audio world, because there's there's history in this book. And so that's a different tone. And then there's medicine in this book, and that's its own tone. And then there's the interludes. And I think that that's where my erotica really helped me was putting personality to represent them well, because I consider them to be so brave. And, you know, they're the the forefront of this thing, you know, these people who, who come out, you know, um, I admire that. And I, I just, I, I wanted it to, to, to be good for people. So I did my best with it, with all of that in mind, but I smiled the entire time. It was wonderful. And,
1: and, and I will say I, I almost cried the first time I heard my words coming out of Rose's mouth. I mean, it was a, it was, it was just a fascinating, you know, kind of intellectual and personal experience
0: yeah and you have to deliver that with such passion because it's really your your personality it's your voice that's going to carry the book and whether it's successful or not i mean there's a lot of pressure <laughs> when you do these types of things and i know from having gone through that experience myself it was one of the most physically and emotionally demanding things i've ever done in my life you know i i don't know exactly what your experience was but Mine was sitting in a studio for 17 hours over a period of three days for a final product that's somewhere between seven and eight hours, you know, so there's a lot of stopping and starting and going back and it's really mentally taxing. And, you know, I think like you, I had a smile on my face much of the time, too, because you have to emote like that, because that's how you're going to carry the personality into the work. And I can only imagine, you know, the added challenge of reading somebody else's words because you want to do the best job possible. So I appreciate the work that you put into it.
2: Thank you so much. Well, and I have to ask you, you know, narrating your own book, did you ever once go, oh my gosh, who wrote this? Why did I say it that way? I could have said it, but you know, you, you go through that and then it just gets unbearably sweaty at times. And then there's these crazy mouth noises and then stomach gurgles and then you're like i don't even know what that noise was but we gotta restart the recording because that's in there <laughs> like it's it's quite an adventure to get behind the mic and
1: it, it <laughs> is no, really
0: absolutely an adventure it's it's exciting and exhilarating in some ways but like i said it's also really exhausting and you know it was funny at the end of my recording this producer who had been there with me for three days was like that was like I just took a master class on sex, and like he loved the experience and got so much out of it. And I'm sure that's not the typical audiobook that they produce in that studio. So I think it was a fun and interesting experience for all. And I really don't think I'd be doing this podcast right now if I hadn't had that experience of recording my own audiobook, because that's really how I developed confidence in my own voice. And so I, I think the experience was rewarding on so many levels. So Congratulations on the success of the book David you know the fact that it's coming out in new versions and people are still buying and reading it a decade or more later is truly a testament to the great work that you've done so just briefly can you tell us you know what's been the impact or legacy of insatiable wives when it comes to your career
1: you know it it really created a whole separate kind of aspect to my career i had worked in sexuality as a therapist for years but Writing Insatiable Wives, it led me to confront the fact that many therapists, not just myself, were stigmatizing and shaming sexuality out of ignorance and out of moral bias that had intruded into, into our clinical thinking. And it really... It really launched me into this into this whole other kind of career, advocating and training therapists to to be non judgmental and affirmative around sex and interestingly i mean in the book i I described this one guy who had been divorced three times because he really wanted to watch his wife with other men and the wives weren't into it. And in the book, I just kind of casually mentioned, it'd be easy to diagnose the guy as a sex addict, but I don't believe in sex addiction. Well, that one freaking line led to then my next book, The Myth of Sex Addiction, because then people started having me come in and talk about, well, you don't believe in sex addiction. Everybody else does. And I'm like, well, no. And so it frankly has had just a huge influence on my career. And but it's also introduced me to amazing people like Rose, like you, Justin, like our collaborator, Dan Savage. I mean, Cuckoldress Venus, who who did a, a podcast on this the other day. I mean, and 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 then the other guilty, selfish thing that I will say is that, you know, right now there, there are women who are taking pictures of themselves, cosplaying the cover of my book and sending it to me. And um, gee, that's not an awful thing to have happen. <laughs> um so it's it it's it's just exciting and fun the, the amazing thing though that i just uh, that i just love the most is uh, like that like 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 that experience right there people have taken this book you know rose took my words and made them her own and these women and these these couples are taking this book and then finding ways to make it their own in their own lives as a writer i mean that's that's really just unbelievable and then you know i like to hope that when i get to heaven or maybe you know if there's a choice between heaven and hell that all of the sexual pleasure and orgasms that people had as a result of my writing tips me over the edge and i get into the good place (laughs) I hope I get credit for that.
0: We can only hope.
1: (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, it may be my only shot.
0: (laughs) Well, thank you both so much for this fun and amazing conversation. It was a pleasure to have you here. David, can you please tell my listeners where they can go to learn more about your work and read Insatiable Wives or listen to it?
1: At Dr. David Lay on Twitter is my handle. It's L-E-Y, even though it sounds like getting laid, right? And then uh, DavidLayPhD.com is my website. And there's links to, the, to my books on there, to Amazon, et cetera. But the audio book of Insatiable Wives, read by the amazing sexy librarian, Rose Carraway herself, is easily found on Audible. And then as said, you, know, you can find Cuck Week on Twitter, at Cuck Week. And then hashtag Cuck Week is going to be the celebration from January 25th, to January 31st
0: and it's gonna be a lot of fun and Rose can you tell us where listeners can go to check out your podcast and your work
1: yes absolutely
2: I am all over Amazon and audible the kiss is the podcast I'm on Twitter at Rose Carraway and my husband is big daddy Dave so you guys can follow him too but I before we go can I please read that tweet that dr. lay
0: absolutely
2: It's just so perfect. And and if there is a message that we want to leave your listeners with, I think that this is so powerful. My husband tweeted, Mr. Lay, a question, what one to three ideas? Do you think the average person should know about their sexuality or the sexuality of others that might facilitate a happier, more fulfilling life when understood, asking for friends? So our lurid listeners reach out to us all the time asking this kind of question. And Dr. Lay's response, perfect, like chef's kiss to this is one, you're not abnormal no matter what you think. Two, Pleasure and erotic pleasure, especially, is not evil, frightening, addictive, or dangerous. And three, self acceptance of your sexuality is the path to self control honest relationships and amazing orgasms
0: i love that and that is such a perfect way to end the show thank you both again so much for being here i really appreciate your time also thank you to my listeners to keep up with new episodes of this podcast visit my website sex and psychology at sexandpsychology.com or subscribe on your favorite platform where i hope you'll take a moment to rate and review the show You can also follow me on social media for daily sex research updates. I'm on Twitter at Justin Laymiller and Instagram at Justin J. Laymiller. Also, be sure to check out my book, Tell Me What You Want, which has plenty of information on cuckolding in it. And definitely be sure to check out Insatiable Wives on audiobook. Thanks again for listening. Until next time.